calls a way of life. You, you mentioned pop culture. It's not just a Sunday with real-time stories, but football's woven into the pop culture, you know, and then culture's been influenced by football. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we're going to jump into the world of the National Football League and spend time with Julie Hayden, who is the Senior Vice President of Global Brand and Consumer Marketing for the NFL. Julie, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So I want to dive in and learn a little bit more about your role at the NFL. What falls under this umbrella of leading global brand and consumer marketing? Well, Dave, if you if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it says simply that I'm currently obsessed with making NFL fans even more obsessed with football. Now, what that means when you look at my day job, it's actually that I'm charged with building and leading brand strategies and programs to grow the NFL fan base. And what that means specifically is that my teams are responsible for four key areas. The first one being creative department that handles, you know, a myriad of activities from, you know, everything from developing the content and advertising on all of our campaigns, such as the Super Bowl spot of the 100-year game to what's running now for NFL shops, Thursday night football, NFL mobile, and all of our television and creative. In addition to that, my team oversees the uniforms and the game day creative presentation that appears across our stadiums from everywhere from Los Angeles to London from Mexico City to Miami. So, you know, that's the first area. The second area is the team is charged with consumer marketing campaigns that are comprised of not just the advertising, but how do we look at the media mix, the social, the events, the activations, the promotions, the full-stack marketing integrated mix that support our youth participation and growing our young audiences and young participants, player health and safety, content properties such as NFL Films and NFL Network, which is our 24-hour-a-day cable sports network. And then, of course, the franchises people know about, such as Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football. Thirdly, the team that I oversee is responsible for the big tentpole events that people know and come to know and love with the NFL, such as the Scouting Combine, NFL Draft, Pro Bowl, and then, of course, the Super Bowl, our biggest flagship property. And then um, in fourth and final, I'd say, you know, all the digital marketing campaigns and product marketing efforts that go around our fantasy app, uh, NFL mobile app, our NFLshops.com e-commerce platform, and uh, NFL tickets. Related to that, your career has really put you at this intersection of digital media, e-commerce, and entertainment as you move from the Los Angeles Dodgers to the studio side of entertainment and then roles at both Twitter and eBay. So what you just described is a perfect culmination of all of those different roles that you've been. What would you say has been the common thread and what prepared you best for such a wide scope of responsibility at the NFL? Well, you say perfect. I might say it's been interesting along the way because it's really been kind of a a chapter or a, a career that's kind of traversed three main chapters or three main sectors, so to speak. And I look at these chapters, you know, in a sense that, you know, there's commonalities around entertainment and innovation and technology. So when I think about the early part of my career, you know, starting out in sports, I graduated uh, from the great 
Indiana University where I worked for Bobby Knight and was part of the NCAA's softball team. And we had an incredible um, soccer organization, swimming and diving. It was, it, was a, it was a sports first school. I grew up in a sports first family. So it was natural that I would start out in sports. So I think about the first chapter is, you know, graduating from Indiana, going off, and I worked for the Los Angeles Dodgers right out of school. Uh, I then worked in uh, product marketing at a licensed baseball, football, hockey um, trading card manufacturer. And then I quickly moved into um, DreamWorks and, and special effects animation and CGI filmmaking. And we made movies like Ants and Shrek and Madagascar, Sinbad, Spirit, Over the Hedge, um, Shark Tale. So a bunch of CGI filmmaking combined with sports, which was maybe the chapter one um, entertainment. Chapter two was then kind of taking that that nod into technology and leading in a little harder, living in Silicon Valley, working in Silicon Valley and an immersion into the, the emergent world of tech, where I worked in digital media and e-commerce companies uh, like eBay. I was part of the team that launched PayPal Mobile and mobile commerce payments at PayPal in 2005. I then moved into a stint in social media where I was the first marketer on Twitter and helped in the very, very early days back when we had less than a million users, if you could believe that. And then um, even further on to help SoFi, which is now a multi-billion dollar student loans and financial services and all sorts of wonderful uh, technology innovations and FinTech. And so I think that was you know, a really interesting way to round out part one in the sports and entertainment and sports part two in this world of um, you know, kind of digital media and e-commerce and tech. And then what's, what's really kind of come full circle, which is what I love about this experience working at the NFL, is kind of taking chapter three where I am now is combining sports and entertainment with that digital underpinning, with the financial underpinning, with the e-commerce underpinning. And the way I think to answer your question that I was able to prepare for such a broad scope was kind of traversing the best of these industries from e-com to entertainment, but playing different marketing instruments in each of these kind of so-called orchestras from whether it was PR or product marketing and sports early on or ideating promotions and mobile and social media at e-commerce. It helped become a leader of a modern marketing mix. But I also think about the modern ways to market to fans in our case or audiences or users or consumers, you know, involving product technology innovation, which really is how we think about marketing at the NFL and new platforms and new products, you know, the drive fan initiatives like Game Pass, which is our direct-to-consumer subscription service, or Amazon, which, you know, we're streaming Monday night, excuse me, Thursday night football, or even our mobile live gaming viewing on our app, you know, things like legalized sports betting, which is a new sector we're just getting into involving data. So I think this wonderful culmination of Chapter 3, which takes from the cues of Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, and bringing in full circle is the way I was able to prepare for such a broad scope at the NFL. That's perfect. I love that. So you've you talked about the modern marketing that you're having to do and that kind of blend of technology. You're you're at the NFL, which is one of the most beloved brands, you know, not just in the US, but in the world. How do you think about keeping the community constantly engaged both during the season and off season as well? Well, you know, I think I think that is a really good question and and we're very, very fortunate because the NFL games are fresh in of themselves. I mean, the pure exhilaration that comes out of a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday, 
these competitive matchups and what's happening on the field and what's happening every game, every minute, every play, there's this electricity in our product. I mean, we're really, really lucky in that our product is always fresh. It's great. I mean, we've got thrills and chills, and they happen at such a moment where, you know, at any given time, these two clubs or rivals step on the field, something new and fresh is going to happen. So, you know, I think that's part one to that question. I think the other way I would look at how do we keep the brand fresh, there's a lot of things that our team is is thinking about and what's on our minds. And so I would say, you know, number one, the players. We keep the brand fresh with the players because they're part of our team and our franchise and our and our brand. I mean, there's so many remarkable stories of who these guys are with helmets off. You know, how do they show up in the community as leaders, as fathers, as husbands, or even as sons? You know, these larger-than-life personalities, but beyond being elite athletes that we see on TV, these guys are remarkable humans, and there's so many wonderful stories to unlock about them. And we think about how do we tell this to our fans and how do we enable those stories. I think the second strategy and thing that I, I look into when I think about keeping the brand fresh is the generations that we have. You know, we're in our 100th season at the NFL, and 100 years of this game, there are so many things and players across all ages and touch all generations of fans that have happened over these 100 years. So, you know, for example, you know, I think about the Super Bowl spot that I referenced a few minutes ago, uh, the 100-year game. We featured players, you know, like Mean Joe Green, iconic player who early on in his career was in that, that wonderful Coke spot that, you know, you have a kid and he says, thanks, Mean Joe Green. We brought him back to put him in our Super Bowl 100 spot. Um, Jim Brown, who's 83 years old, for example, you know, we juxtapose these guys, these iconic legends, if you will, with today's modern stars, you know, somebody like Saquon Barkley, who's 22 years old, and you look across how these generations span of who might be my father's player, favorite player, which, by the way, is Jim Brown, and who might be my son's favorite player, which, by the way, is Saquon Barkley, and you look at six decades between these fans and these players of legends, you know, what it does is it connects the game and it brings the, bri it brings the game closer and bridges generations for all ages. I think the third part that is something we've been very, very focused on is the influencers. You know, football's a way of life. You, you mentioned pop culture. It's, it's, it's not just a Sunday with real-time stories, but football's woven into the pop culture, you know, and then culture's been influenced by football. So we look at kind of, quote-unquote, the influencers around industries like fashion, like gaming, like fitness, like music, and we continue to infuse that fresh culture into football in our game and vice versa. So, you know, I think an example of this would be, you know, in our Super Bowl spot, we featured Ninja, who has a, is a cameo. Um, for your listeners who don't know Ninja, you know, he's got 22 million YouTube subscribers, I think something like 12 plus, 15 million plus watch him play Fortnite. And he's got 200 million people around the world, or Fortnite that has 200 million people around the world that, that play that game. You know, it shows our commitment to kind of mashups, if you will, in this intersection of sports and gaming and pop culture. On the music side, you know, everyone knows that the halftime show um, has been something the NFL has presented for decades. Believe it or not, actually, the early days of the Super Bowl halftime show were, were college marching bands and over the years have evolved into what's the music production pop culture spectacle of what we know and love of today. 
But when I think about things like Katy Perry at the Super Bowl 49 in Arizona, I think there were over 120 million people who watched her perform or Lady Gaga um, at my first Super Bowl as, uh, as an NFL employee. You know, in Houston, 52 million people watched her on YouTube for her halftime performance. So I think, again, you know, keeping the brand fresh through things like music and pop culture. And then last, I'd say innovation and continuing to work with our partners to engage fans via new products or existing technology, whether it's like I mentioned earlier, the mobile apps for fantasy or live viewing of the game on your phone, streaming services like Amazon or even legalized sports betting and the incredible things that we're doing with data and with the real-time components that we could deliver for stats, essentially how do we gamify the game while we continue to protect the integrity of our, our brand is key. And, you know, again, in summary, I just say keeping the brand fresh by connecting the fans, the players, the storytellers, the generations, and pop culture and new technologies is kind of the way I look at it. So related to that, one of the things that uh, NFL has really had at its core is working with some amazing brands uh, that are your partners, whether they're sponsors or other, uh, other things like technology platforms, et cetera. When you think about the importance of the NFL brand, how do you balance that with the brands uh, that want to be involved with you from a sponsorship standpoint? Well, I, I, first of all, I think of all of our sponsors as truly partners because we're all part of this football ecosystem. And we, like our partners, want to grow the brands and audiences alike. So we have that shared interest and shared vision. I think the best part of having the sponsor partners like ours is we continue to learn from these iconic, like-minded brands. So my team, for example, we work very closely with Bud Light um, on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Fox is our broadcast network partner to deliver the game every week. You know, we work with Ford, for example, on Thanksgiving, where we're working on a creative execution that's going to be part of the Fox and the CBS games. So I think about how do we not just, you know, have these partners across beverages or CPG, technology, automotive, quick service, hospitality, but we have the we have also the broadcasters that we can bring together these brightest and the best and learn from them. And we can we can grow together the consumption of our game and their brands and activate our audiences alike. So we're really quite fortunate. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. Talk about the uh, the fans a little bit more. One of the uh, you know interesting stats I think for people as you dive into the NFL is that nearly half the fans are women, and so that's something I know you know well from some of your efforts. Can you talk about some of the really interesting things you've done over the last year that kind of touches to this user base and highlights some of the stories that need to be better known than they are currently? Well, I mean, with women in particular, we 
we have done a lot. I mean, it's a, it, it is it is one of our fastest growing fan bases. Um, you know, a few examples of that was it was really important to myself and my team that when we showed, for example, the Super Bowl commercial, that the handoff at the end with Richard Sherman passing a ball went to a running back from Utah who happens to be a girl named Sam Gordon. And that's important because the next 100 years very much could have a woman and hope it will and should have a woman in football as a player. So, I mean, it's important that we show through the lens of our fans and, and our, our game the opportunity of, of where the game could go and how we reflect women as part of our segment. You know, I think that's that's one example. Most recently, in fact, um, with regard to women, we just made a documentary called A Lifetime of Sundays, and it was picked up by ESPN and aired on ESPN and ABC, and it's a powerful story of the competitive friendship and football legacy shared by these four iconic women owners, Virginia Hallis McCaskey from the Bears, Martha Ford from the Lions, Patricia Rooney from the Steelers, and Norma Hunt from the Kansas City Chiefs. So we look at new ways to bring in new audiences all the time. We have a, a lot of efforts around youth participation. We have a lot of efforts on different segments of who are growing. But but really, you know, I think across the multi-generation of who our fans are today and who we want to bring in as our fans tomorrow. Oh, that's wonderful. So can you talk a little bit more, more about Lifetime of Sundays? Um, you know, those are four amazing women that have really, you know, led this league from day one. How did the chance to spend time with them, learn more about, about their story, shape how you're thinking about the NFL brand and the work that you're doing? Well, I, I mean, you know, I think that the Lifetime of Sundays has is, is, is been a labor of love. It actually has been a project I've worked on with um, Jane Skinner Goodell, uh, who happens to be the commissioner's wife. Jane and I worked together very closely when I was the executive producer of the Super Bowl Women's Summit in 2016 in San Francisco. And, you know, I think the exciting part of this film was we saw an opportunity. I mean, innovation can come from everywhere. It's not just in technology. It's not just in products, but it could be in storytelling. And Jane um, had first proposed to me back, I want to say it was in 2017, the idea to feature these four women on a panel at our annual owners meeting. And we, we heard about it. She told me about it. And I said, I said, we absolutely have to film this. This is something that we want to do. We want to get this and, and memorialize it. And she's, she joked with me because she said, well, these women, and I, I rightfully agree, they're from a generation where it's not the selfie me generation where you want to take pictures of yourself and share every moment. The, the natural reaction from the women was, why would people want to hear our stories? And Jane, to her credit, was relentless in pursuing this. And, and when we heard about it, we said, we're going to put a camera there. We're going to capture this. And when we did this panel back in Orlando in 2017, I believe, actually it was 2018, we had not a dry eye in the room. 100 plus 200 people that were all families were hanging on every word that we heard from these women. And we knew at that moment that we had lightning in a bottle. So we went back to the office. I put a team together with Bill McCullough, who works for me. Uh, he was an 11-time uh, Emmy Award-winning documentary and filmmaker. We brought in a director named Joe Levine, who worked with NFL Films and has an incredible history of sports and storytelling. And then we brought in an um, incredible narrator with, uh, with Regina King, who, as, as many of your listeners and you know, is, is the voice behind 
Mrs. Rod Tidwell and uh, Jerry Maguire, one of my favorite movies ever, but she's also an Oscar winner, and we brought her in to be the narrator of this. So it kind of came, came together pretty quickly over over the years, but we knew we had to tell this story and and bring it to life. And I think what's exciting and I love every time we screen it for people or when they see it on TV is that you're watching the NFL through these lens of these historical women who paved the path for women in leadership roles that wasn't common 50 years ago, 60 years ago. I mean, you people, these women are 80, 85 to 97 years old. So you're going back to stories where they're talking about Mrs. McCaskey buying the team for $100 or iconic players through Chicago Bears history, like legends that have been lost, like Brian Piccolo or Walter Payton. You know, so that was just such an important part to be able to pull this story together and feature these legendary women. So I want to go back a little bit to the the career path that you've had. You know, you live in Silicon Valley. You've come from a great career with eBay and Twitter. How are you personally staying on top of the emerging trends and the technology as you lead the NFL, thinking about brand and marketing and everything else? Well, I think that's every marketer's challenge, right? I mean, we have our we have our day jobs, we have our families, we have change that's happening at such a rapid pace. How do we stay ahead of it? You know, I personally stay ahead of it because I'm a voracious reader. I mean, whether it's digital and it's blogs or it's uh, it's books or it's white papers or it's it's how can I how can I consistently learn and adopt and grow? I look at things like you know a mentorship group of, of women that I am close with and men, and I continue to mentor, get mentored by them. And I also mentor others because I think that helps you learn a lot from other people and stay on top of it. I've been blessed and grateful for this extraordinary peer group I have at the NFL of incredible women. Uh, and even the owners of the NFL have been great mentors, if you will. So I think that helps me stay atop of it. Um, the other thing I do that, that I think is either brave or crazy, is I help, you know, continue to learn. I live in Silicon Valley. I actually am very involved in startup culture. I'm still advising several startups. I worked early on, as I mentioned, in helping advise SoFi, which taught me about crowdfunding and finance and student loans and learning, um, you know, early on being part of Twitter and learning social media from the ground up. But I continue to work with, you know, dozen of startups plus or minus throughout my career. And, um, you know, most recently, I've even been helping a startup in fashion with some of the members of the U.S. women's national soccer team. You know, and then thirdly, I'd say I, I continue to be an investor in startups that I find really interesting or that I believe in. I'm, I'm actually an investor in a venture firm right now. And I think these things, in addition to mentorship, help me to stay on top of it and continue to be kind of what I call a learn-it-all versus a know-it-all. I like to stay humble and know what I don't know and continue to grow. So I want to dive in on that last part, because I think when a lot of, let's call it executives, look at the world of startup investing, they're thinking of just like buying stocks, you know, it's part of their portfolio. And while it's obviously that for you, you're using it as that part for learning and keeping on top of things. How did you come to think about it that way? Well, I, I don't see it as just, you know, a financial ROI. I find it as an intellectual ROI. So look at it as double bottom line. I'm giving back my, you know, my knowledge and, and hopefully insights to help a company. I'm helping, you know, on the financial upside, should something grow into becoming, you know, the next billion dollar brand. 
but I also feel like I'm I'm getting back and I'm giving. And I think a lot about Adam Grant's book or Give or Get. I mean, just these kind of things keep me from, you know, or, or plugged into the importance of double bottom line when it comes to staying on top of things and shifting cultures and so forth. So I, I think that that is, is one of the areas that are most interesting to me is the give and the get. That's perfect. I love that mindset. So one of your focuses at the NFL has been on shifting the culture to one of change and innovation. How do you ignite that cultural change at a company that does have such a long storied history? Well, you know, I think I covered a few of the things we do where we're trying to shift the culture of learning and shift the culture of, of new ways of doing marketing. But, you know, overall, to me, it's not just about my craft of what I do with the NFL from a standpoint of the marketing Julie Haddon. It's how do I show up as the leader Julie Haddon. And, you know, with my teams, I, I lead a very transparent organization where I empower my teams to do their best work. I love to hire people smarter than me. I love to hire people that want to come in and experiment and test and learn and iterate, you know, with the risk of sounding cliche. I've always encouraged my teams to do things and try things, and I'd rather fail by trying something that doesn't work than watching from the sidelines. So I like to unlock that in our culture of innovation and change and continue to do experiments and tests. I also encourage teams to seize opportunities. Um, you know, a perfect example of that was when Jane and I worked on a lifetime of Sundays with Bill and the team. It was a story there that was that was ripe for taking and building and going after. We didn't wait for somebody else to tell it. Another example would be uh, back in the Women's Summit. You know, why would an all-male sports league put together a, uh, a, a summit that was about about men and the game when we have no men, women that play the game. But it was a multi-day event that was important for us to feature the knowledge sharing and the panels and the information and the value of what being an athlete or the game of sport does to bring together the lifetime of skills that as women or as executives we get. You know, men and women get a lifetime of skills from being an athlete that they transcend into a boardroom or into government or into private sector, whatever we do, the discipline, the resilience, the focus, the adversity, the challenges we face as athletes early on, our lifetime of skills that we transcend. So I try to bring that into, you know, the innovation and seizing the opportunities. You know, and even another example recently was when I joined, there was no LGBT pride group, and that was important to me. You know, as a mom of, of three kids who's married to a woman, I wanted to make sure that we showed people in leadership roles that that we're able to bring together opportunities for an inclusive culture and a diverse culture. So, you know, I encouraged my team who was interested in getting behind this. And now we have a, uh, an employee research, a resource group that's focused on NFL pride and LGBT plus community. That's wonderful. Well, that is a, an amazing story. And thank you for all that you do with the NFL. It was great to sit down and learn a little bit more about uh, the journey and how you're approaching this. So I thank you for taking the time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to hear more on your program. And I hope that, uh, that we get a chance to, um, you know, continue to grow our game with your listeners and your fans. Oh, well, thank you, Julie. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.